Our scripture readings this morning are first from Psalm 23, our Old Testament reading. It reads, Psalm of David, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Such things cannot be said of an individual who cannot say in truth that the Lord is their shepherd. From the New Testament and our text for this morning, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. Please follow along with me. Then he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on, Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, Lord God, our Father in heaven, we do ask truly that you would open our eyes to see you this morning, that you would give us ears to hear what you have for your church. Lord, that by your grace, for we do not put our hope in our intellect. We do not trust in our capacity to receive and process information, 
We do not trust in anything in and of ourselves, but it is You that sends Your Word to accomplish what You will. And so accomplish that today in our hearts and minds by Your Spirit. Lord, that my words this morning would be Yours is what I ask. And that for Your sake, for the sake of Your church, We love you and praise you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to glorify your name in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning's sermon is called Your Father's Good Pleasure. So we need to set the scene a little. If you guys are not in Luke 12, please turn there. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. There are crowds of people here. And there are also Jesus' disciples. Someone from the crowd seeks the intervention of Jesus regarding a family financial matter. If you look at verse 13, it says that one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And so even though Jesus does not address the particular issue, he does address the true need, the true matter of import, not just for this man, but for everyone here. For he takes this situation, this interaction with this one man seeking the intervention of Jesus, And he uses it and he speaks to the crowds and he teaches his disciples. In verse 15, Jesus says to the crowds, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then we see in verse 16 through 20, Jesus tells the crowds a parable about a man of great wealth and the choices he makes. Starting in verse 16, we see he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided. The point of this parable is found in verse 21. Verse 21 says, So he, this is the Lord speaking, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The point of this parable is that the only lasting treasure available for any man is the treasure of one who is rich toward 
God. So what does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, clearly in our context, it's the opposite of laying up treasures for yourself here on earth. Jesus contrasts these in verse 21 and he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself, talking about that rich man. And mind you, his situation isn't bad. We can't call it evil that he's rich and he has all this stuff. That's not bad. Jesus doesn't say anything bad about that. Nor is his question bad. Man, I've got all this stuff. What do I do with it? It's his heart for himself. Right? I will take all of my things and ensure that my things keep me satisfied. Oh, and he doesn't know that he's going to lose everything. So to be rich toward God is to not lay up treasure for yourself. It's the opposite of that. Jesus speaks similarly in Matthew 6, 19-21, and He says these words, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's how Jesus ends the passage that we're in this morning as well. So if you take what Jesus says in verse 15, that one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, and verse 21 together, that truly the only lasting treasure available is for the man who is rich toward God, then we can see that one's life should consist of the abundance of our treasures in heaven. You see, that's what our Lord is telling us. One's life should consist of the abundance of our treasures in heaven, not in the abundance of our possessions here on earth, but in being rich toward God. And... Mind you, again, this is not connoting anything evil of being rich. This is truly all a matter of the heart. Where is your heart? Jesus did not save us that we should have our hearts focused on the things of this earth. He has so much greater for us. If we live like that, if we lay up those treasures, living in light of eternity, then we will indeed keep what has been laid up. Unlike the rich man in the parable, what happened to his things? Upon his death, he lost them all. We see what this looks like in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I invite you to turn there with me. First Corinthians three, starting in verse seven. And we'll read through verse 15. The apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church here. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. 
According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But uh, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The work of God that he does in us lasts. When we lay on that foundation of Jesus Christ according to God and his grace, according to his plan for his kingdom, when we walk in those works, which we were created in Christ Jesus for, Ephesians 2.10. Our treasure is laid up in heaven for us and kept safe. Where no moth can destroy, no rust can corrupt, and no man can steal. So, regarding the rich man in this parable, notice that his stuff wasn't moth-infested. His stuff wasn't rusted. His stuff wasn't stolen. But it was still all lost in the end. Stuff isn't safe here in our possession. And sometimes, as we see in the parable that the Lord spoke, sometimes it takes our death to manifest that truth. Let us not ever think that, well, I mean, I got mothballs. I maintain my equipment. And I have simply safe home security. I'm good. I mean, you could take care of all your stuff perfectly and keep accumulating. Fool, your soul's required of you. Now what's going to happen? That's what the Lord would say to all of us. So don't live for you or here. Live for God, for heaven. And how? Well, verse 22 and 23, starting with our text. Back in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. And this is intended to grant us more than what the rich man had. Living according to this truth is a blessing. It's what God has for us. That man was anxious about his life and his things, wasn't he? I got all this stuff. What am I going to do? I'm going to build more barns. I'm going to set myself up for ease for the rest of my life. So I can just take it easy, eat, drink, be merry, have no cares. He was anxious about not being anxious. Isn't that something? 
He cared about not having cares. He was worried about getting himself to a point where he didn't have to worry anymore. Oh, that is of the devil. That is not of heaven. We should not be like him. If we want to be rich toward God, we live in faith, by faith, in light of heaven. We don't worry in light of earth. We must see here that Jesus isn't just talking to the poor. Because we, we think that sometimes, right? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. The Lord will provide for you. Well, he doesn't use a poor man as his, as his example in his parable. He uses a rich. Don't worry about being clothed. Well, Jesus doesn't talk about someone who doesn't have clothes. He talks about a rich man who has enough to supply himself ample and much more than he needs. He isn't just talking to the poor saying, don't worry about your next meal or the clothing if you need, or your clothing if you need clothing. He's not saying, or he is saying, not to be anxious in any circumstance of life with much or with little. And he uses a rich man to give this example. So not only is this life more than basic physical needs, it's also more than making it, quote-unquote, or arriving in this world. Do we devote any of our time to such? Do we wish that we could just make it to that spot? You know, my sinful imagination might be different from yours. But do I find myself in a um, hypothetical situation in my mind where I say, well, if I attain to this, then I'll be safe. Well, that this for me might be different for your safety point. But I tell you, both are sin. And God wants us to find our safety in Christ. For life is not about the things of this world. It's so much more. It's so much more. We should not try to make it or try to arrive. For there is no journey to be had when it comes to us being in Christ, brothers and sisters. For in Him now, where are you trying to go? Where would I seek to go when God has placed me in His Son? I feel truly that I have arrived regarding what matters. Paul gives a good example of this regarding the learning to live according to heaven and by faith, whether he is in abundance or whether he has little. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, if you'd like to turn there. Philippians 4, verse 11 and through 13 the Apostle here gives an example to us of living in the manner that Jesus is teaching us in Luke chapter 12 here. And he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I ask, 
It is Christ that gives Paul strength to do what? To know how to live in any circumstance of this life. And that toward God. To be rich toward God regardless of his possessions. Because that's what he's referencing here in Philippians. He's learned to have much and to have little. But all the while having much in Christ. So life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Then what is it? Well, first, Jesus explains the folly of living as if food and clothing were to be our concern. This is folly. And he uses the birds and he uses the flowers to show us this. So verse 24, back in Luke 12, the Lord says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? The ravens, the birds, all creatures of the earth, they, not, they do not have a hand in any part of the process of their food supply. They don't find good land. They don't then work the land that they find and acquire the seed, plant the seed. They don't care for the crop. They don't look after and protect it. They don't manage it and harvest it at the right time. And on top of that, they don't store that harvest for the future in a structure made just for that purpose. And then where would such a structure come from? If the ravens did such a thing, they don't obtain the right supplies and build something sufficient for the job. The point is that the raven does none of this and God still feeds them. So of how much more value are you than the birds? Let's put it this way. Does God take care of the birds in this way because he sees them as more valuable than you, dear one? Does he? How does the love of God for birds compare with the love of God for you, disciple of Christ, for you, little flock of God? You know, the author to the Hebrews asks questions in chapter 1 to contrast Jesus with the angels, showing how vastly and immeasurably superior Jesus is to the angels. I'm going to use... Similar language here. In the vein of thought of the difference between the birds and those who are in the flock of God, I ask you this, which of the birds did God send His Son to die for? Which of the birds or any other creature did Jesus empty Himself for to become like and die in their place to pay for their sins on a cross? Which bird, beast, fish, insect did the blood of Christ flow for in order that in his death God's wrath would be satisfied for them? Which, I ask you. And Jesus does too. Which bird or animal was Jesus buried for, raised from the dead for? Did he ascend into heaven for? Who he's making intercession for? Which bird is Jesus coming back for? Oh, he's coming back for you, little flock. For his own. For the sheep of his pasture. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So do not worry. Is what Jesus is saying. Keep yourself in the love of God. 
Worry accomplishes nothing good. It can never add good. And in fact, anxiety is never neutral. It's always sin. Being anxious in sin, we may say something along the lines of, well, you don't know my circumstance. But we must be like Paul. Whether with much or with little, we live toward God. In every circumstance, I say, to consider the raven. So who can be anxious by faith? Who can worry about one's life in a manner that's pleasing to God? None can. We were justified to live by faith. As the prophet Habakkuk said, the just shall live by faith. As Paul says in Galatians, he repeats the same. And in Romans, and the author of Hebrews says it as well. Repeated three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. We were not justified to worry about our life. Verses 25 and 26 in Luke chapter 12 say, And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Other translations say one hour to his lifespan. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Not even a little good can come from worrying. If it's worrying about what you don't have or what you do have, no good can come. So verse 27. First we've seen Jesus talk about the birds, now the flowers. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So think of Solomon. Was there any wise like him? Knowledgeable. The resources that he had. Let's say he didn't even have good taste in clothing. I mean, I would guess he did. <laughs> Seemed to be like the guy that kind of had it all. I mean, he could, he could find people that did. Your resources are unlimited. Make me the best clothing possible. And he would find the right people to do that, wouldn't he? And nothing would lack, nothing would want in the splendor of Solomon's dress. So the flowers, no wisdom, no knowledge, no brain for a taste in what is beautiful, no capacity to make choices regarding their own splendor. And yet, look at them. God makes their beauty greater than Solomon's in all of his glory. In all of his glory. So, in verse 28, the Lord says, If God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? The one who Jesus is talking to who has little faith is the one who is anxious about his life. Would you look at the ravens? And would you look at the flowers? And look at the care of God for them. And he is not their father. He is not their shepherd. He is not their savior. He didn't display the greatest love possible. A greater love has no man than this, than that one should lay down his life for his friends. God doesn't call a raven his friend, nor a lily, but he calls you his friend. And he laid down his life. 
There is nothing greater he could have done to display his love for you. Verse 29 says, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Do not seek what you should eat or drink or have an anxious mind. Something's added here new to what the Lord is saying. Not only are we not to worry, but we are not even to seek these things. What? It's here. You guys are reading it with me. And this is what a life of faith of a child of God should look like. I don't know who said this. You may have heard it. You have only one life, and it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Do not devote your time to these things, Jesus is saying. God will take care of those. Devote your time to something greater. There is something greater, something much better. Verse 30 reads, For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need them. There's so much more in life than seeking these things. The world seeks these things. Aren't you not of the world any longer? You've been saved from the world to be in the kingdom of God. Verse 31, and here is the greater. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You, dear one, have been saved to seek that which the Father is delighted to give you. And all of your physical needs, He knows. He'll take care of them. Do you believe that? Verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, our Lord tells us. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He surpasses the food and the clothing and the physical and the possessions. Because those things are Things that pale in comparison to the kingdom being granted to the child of God. He doesn't say, do not fear, little flock. Your father will provide your needs. It's so little compared to what God has for us in Christ and what matters in eternity. He says, your father takes great pleasure. Oh, you little sheep. Saved by the grace of God and called by name into the fold of Christ. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God here and to come. That should make our souls leap with joy and it should give our hearts peace that surpasses understanding. What your father says is true. You need not fear. He wants deeply and surely for you to have so much more than what you were saved from. You guys know that Jesus said this when he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness following his baptism. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Do you know that we are not destined as Christians to just live under the curse and just keep going day by day? And how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm surviving. What? Surviving? Man shall not live like that. Just for bread? Oh, we have the Word of God. We have the Spirit. Which communicates the Word of God to us. In life. So that we might have life. And live in Christ. Do not seek after your physical sustenance, but seek after the eternal. Don't worry about bread, because the bread of life has come down for you. God will fill your belly. You need not worry about clothing because, well, you've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God will cover your skin. Forsake all and run hard after God. Stop seeking the things of this earth. Seek the kingdom. In Luke chapter 14, verse 33, Jesus says, So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That sounds very harsh, but what if we didn't know that? I think that we must see that Jesus isn't saying this in a disciplinary fashion. He's saying it in a practical manner. In other words, you cannot hold on to earth while you seek heaven. And Jesus wants us to have heaven. So let go of the things of this earth. You cannot serve two masters. So do not be anxious and do not fear. For the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. As we read from Psalm 23 earlier. He wants so much more for you. He wants so much for you to have Jesus now. To abide in Christ to experience a relationship with Christ as Christ has with the Father. That same love, that we might know that. Us in Him, He in us, in His Word in us. He wants us to now today be that tree in Psalm 1, planted by the rivers of water. Our fruit coming in its season. Our leaves never fading. Whatever we do, prospering for His sake and for the kingdom. He has gone to prepare a place for us and He will return, it is sure. So verse 33 in Luke chapter 12, it keeps following the same vein of thought of earth versus heaven, of physical versus spiritual. Don't have things for the sake of having things. Sell them in light of eternity. Now, I don't think what the Lord is telling us here is to liquidate all our possessions. I think we're being called to assess and take inventory and allow God to bring purity to our hearts and minds regarding our attitudes for the things we have here. So in other words, when Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor and give to the needy, and then find money bags that do not grow old. When he says things like that, He's saying, if something is taking your time and devotion from seeking the kingdom, then yes, sell that. It's very similar to what the Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount. You recall where he says, if your eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out. 
If your hand is cutting you to sin, causing you to sin, cut it off. Right? Oh, it is far better for you to enter into life blind or maimed than to enter into hell whole. Well, I say the same thing to you, and I think it can be fairly taken from our text this morning. That if your possessions are preventing you from seeking God, sell them. Give them away. Get rid of them. Because you cannot serve two masters. You cannot hold on to earth and seek heaven at the same time. Verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let us never think that we can hold on to things and at the same time, things as in our possessions, and at the same time, strive to take hold of Christ. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3 together. And we will end here. Philippians 3, verse 7. Again, Paul being an example for us and what our attitude should be. And this is an attitude that can be ours. And why? Because God can work in us in the same way that He did in Paul. In fact, it was Paul himself that was convinced that nothing good dwelled within himself. It was all of God, all to the glory of God. And so we too, by God's grace, can say these words and can live in this manner. Philippians 3, 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Christ is yours. Heaven is yours. Seek and embrace that which you've been saved for. Don't be anxious. By faith, follow in this example. Do not seek and embrace that which you've been saved from. 
little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray.